Take your Bibles or your apps, whatever you read the Bible on. And today I want you to turn to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8. Now, if you're not familiar with where the book of Mark is located, uh, what I would encourage you to do is if you're in a physical Bible, open to the beginning to the table of contents. Uh, There you'll find that the Bible is broken up into two main sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. Mark is the second book of the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. So Mark is the second book of the New Testament. If you're in an app, what I would ask you to do is drop down the list of books of the Bible. You'll find that Mark is about two thirds of the way down that list and you'll want to turn to chapter eight. Now, as I already mentioned during our prayer time, Tuesday is election day. And can I be honest for a moment? Are you as tired of the hate and the backbiting and the name calling as I am? Uh, the, the hatred that is being spread, the, the ill will that is being fostered amongst our, our nation is so, is so disheartening. It's so sad to see people who disagree clash against and be hateful with one another. Uh, You know, everyone's freaking out about this election. Not everyone, but uh, a large portion of our country is just crazy about making sure that their candidate wins. And, and, And the responses have been extreme, both good extreme and bad extreme. Uh, and many, quite honestly, are scared. Uh, I've spoken with so many people who are truly fearful of what's going to happen if their candidate doesn't win, which brings me to the question that I, I want to launch with today. And the question is this, in light of all of that, are we missing the point? Are we missing what Jesus really wants us to think? Well, today Jesus addresses that very question in Mark chapter eight. So take your Bibles, your apps, whatever you read on, turn to Mark chapter eight. We're actually gonna begin uh, in verse 31. So Mark chapter eight, starting in verse 31. And it says this, And he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And he said this plainly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, Jesus rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. For you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's, will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed 
when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. Interesting passage. And uh, I've always heard this passage broken into two sections, but they're actually interrelated. They're part of one conversation that Jesus has with his disciples and a crowd that is there. And it's, it's very interesting what he says and what he teaches. So let's go through this passage and let's break down what's going on and what Jesus is saying and what he's trying to communicate to all of us as followers of Jesus. So look with me at the first verse that we read, verse 31. Look at what it says. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. You see, Jesus began to teach his disciples what had to happen. He began to tell them what must happen. The Son of God must suffer. The Son of God must die so that the Son of God can rise again. And it's interesting what the response is because it says that Peter immediately rebukes Jesus for saying this. Now, I don't know about you, but every time I've read this passage, I've thought, what was Peter thinking? What, what, he, what could he possibly have going through his mind in that moment to see Jesus and rebuke him? Jesus was and is the Son of God. And if you read the passage right before what we're reading, we read that Peter confesses that Jesus is the Son of God. Peter has just said, you are God. And then, not two verses, three verses down, Peter flips and rebukes God. What was he thinking? He must have been out of his mind. But I would challenge you that Peter was responding in the same way that we are always tempted to respond. You see, Peter rebuked Jesus because he didn't like the plan that Jesus was proposing. Peter saw the plan and it wasn't what he expected. And quite frankly, it wasn't what he wanted. The people of Jesus's day were living in anticipation for the coming Messiah and the Messiah that they were looking for. Most people were looking for a conqueror, a king that was gonna come and wipe the Romans out of Israel and take the throne and take control of Israel and make it a mighty powerful nation. They were patriots for their country. They were excited about their country and the nationalism that they represented and the God that was behind their country. And so they wanted this powerful king that would take the government and run with it. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like some of the conversations that we hear today in our very own culture? But Jesus didn't come as a physical conquering king. He came as a humble servant. And his concern was not about the physical government. His concern was about spiritual eternity of people. Jesus 
was most concerned about what happened to people's souls, not about what happened with the governing of a country. It wasn't about a worldly or political uprising. It was about a spiritual awakening. That's what Jesus was here for. He came to bring spiritual awakening, not political, not worldly uprising, spiritual awakening. And this had to happen. As a matter of fact, if you go read the Old Testament, it was predicted. God's word promised that that's what was going to happen. Isaiah spoke often about it in his book in the Old Testament. And yet the people missed what Jesus was truly coming to do. So Peter pulls Jesus aside and rebukes him. He, he says, Jesus, may this not happen. May this not be. And Jesus condemns Peter. He calls him Satan. He says, get behind me, Satan. I, I picture Jesus speaking very firmly in this moment and with great authority and he does it in the open. He does it where the other disciples can see. As a matter of fact, I, I, it's interesting to point out that this is the only time that Jesus calls a person Satan. It's the only time he gives that kind of an insult or that kind of a rebuke or condemnation to a person. Why was that so harsh? Why did Jesus respond so harshly to Peter's rebuking? Because Peter was placing himself in the shoes of God. Peter thought he had a better plan than what Jesus had. Peter had just declared that Jesus was the son of God and now he's rebuking Jesus because he doesn't like Jesus's plan. He doesn't like God's plan for the salvation of the world. And so Jesus rebukes Peter because Peter was offering Jesus a crown in the absence of a cross. It's interesting because isn't that exactly what Satan tempted Jesus with in Matthew, in Matthew chapter four? Satan in all of his temptations offered power and glory and a crown and a way out of having to suffer, a way uh, to not have to nail himself, nail Jesus to that cross. You see, that's, that's what is wrong here, is that Peter thought his plan was better than God. Peter got too focused on the world and what he thought needed to happen, and he missed what God wanted to happen, what God was going to make happen. You see, Jesus had to go and die on that cross. That's what Jesus says in verse 31. The son of God must suffer. He must die so that he can rise again. And let me take just a moment to explain why this is so important. You see, every person who's ever been born except for Jesus himself, we're all born sinners. We are sinners. 
We have broken God's law. We've fallen short of his glory. We've, we've not done what he wants us to do. And in, in not doing what he wants us to do, in committing sin, we have condemned ourselves. We've condemned ourselves to eternal punishment. And the only way out of that eternal punishment is through the sacrifice of Jesus. That's why Jesus came. Jesus was and is the son of God and he knew that every single one of us would have to endure eternal punishment unless someone, unless something came along and rescued us from the consequences of our sins. And so Jesus, as the son of God, came and did just that. You see, he lived a perfect sinless life and then because of his sinless life, when he died on that cross, he became the way to have our sins forgiven. He became the way to be back in a right relationship with God. But it didn't end there. He died on that cross and on the third day, he rose from the grave, declaring victory over sin and death. And maybe you're watching or listening right now and you're confused. Maybe you've got questions or maybe the Holy Spirit is speaking to you right now and you feel convicted to make a decision to follow Jesus. And if that's you, what I want you to do is stop whatever you're doing right now. And I want you to e send an email to the email address on the screen right now, because we've got a pastor standing by that would love to answer any questions, would love to clarify anything that you're confused about, and would love, if you're ready, to walk you through making a decision to follow Jesus. But hear me, don't wait. Do it now, email right now and reach out to us so that we can guide you through that process so we can answer those questions. Don't walk away today, moving continually forward to eternal punishment. Instead, follow Jesus, answer that call, reach out to us and let us know because we would love to guide you in that and answer questions you may have. So. Peter thought that he had a better plan than what Jesus had. He thought his plan was better than God's. And Jesus rebukes him for that. But, but that brings an interesting question. What is God's plan? What's the plan that we're supposed to be following? Well, let's look again in this passage. I want you to pick up with me in verse 34. Verse 34 and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, Jesus said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake in the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world? and yet forfeit his soul. For what can a man give in return for his soul? You see, Jesus wants us to deny ourselves and carry our cross, which leads me to today's big idea. If you've ever watched any of my messages, you know that uh, I usually give kind of a one sentence statement that summarizes the main point of that week's message. And today's big idea is this. Carry your cross out of your confidence in Christ. Let me say that again. Carry your cross out of your confidence 
in Christ. You see, to follow Jesus means that we take up our cross. We don't live for ourselves anymore. We live for him. That's what it means to take up our cross. It means that we don't live for pleasure and comfort or, or sins even. We live for Jesus and Jesus alone. Let, let me point out a few passages that talk about taking up our cross. Uh, most of them are in Galatians, so I'm gonna highlight three passages from the book of Galatians. The first one is Galatians 2.20, and it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That was Galatians 2, uh, 20. Here's what Galatians 5, 24 says. Galatians 5, 24, and says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And the last passage is Galatians 6, 14. Galatians 6, 14, it says, but far be it from me to boast anything except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You see, we have to take up our cross and we have to die to ourselves and we have to die to the world. That means not physically, we're not physically dying most of the time. Uh, it means that all of our desires, all of our passions, all of our ambitions, all of our direction is now dead to us. And instead we live in Jesus's dreams and ambitions and goals and plans. You see, we are no longer ourselves. We don't belong. We don't have freedom spiritually. We belong to Jesus. But, but let me be honest, that sounds pretty harsh and it sounds kind of kind of sad that we don't belong to ourselves, that we belong to Jesus. But the Bible also tells us that until we know Jesus, we're slaves to our sin. You see, we're going to belong to something. We're going to follow some master. It's either gonna be sin or it's gonna be Jesus. And if it's gonna be Jesus, that master will lead us to eternal life. But truly following Jesus means that we deny ourselves. That we, don't long, we no longer live for us, we live for Jesus. We no longer follow our plans, we follow Jesus's plans. We don't live to accomplish our personal mission, we live to accomplish Jesus's mission in us. And the only way that we can do this. The only way that we can have the power to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and deny ourselves and to live for Jesus, the only way to do that is to have full confidence, to have full faith in Jesus and his power and plan. That's the only way to do it. It's the only way to have the power to live this way is to live in the confidence, in the trust, in the faith that is provided through Jesus. Remember the big idea, carry your cross 
out of your confidence in Christ. Our confidence in Christ gives us the ability to carry our cross. So are we trusting in everything but the plan of God? You see, Peter didn't trust in God's plan, or at least he didn't like God's plan. And Jesus called him out for it. Jesus rebuked him, condemned him in that moment for not following Jesus's plan and purpose. And the question I have today is, are we doing that? Are, are we doing the same thing that Peter did when we try to control every aspect of the culture around us? Are we trying, are we doing the same thing? Are we guilty of the same uh, untrust that Peter was guilty of when we fear the future because of an election? Or when we get too wrapped up in an election or, or a candidate or our government? You see, election day is Tuesday, but God has a clear plan. This election has already been determined. And it's not determined by us, it's determined by our God. Listen to what Romans 13:1 says. It says, "Let every person be subject to the governing authorities." And catch this, for there is no authority except that that comes from God. And those that do exist have been instituted by God himself. The fact of the matter is, is whoever gets elected this election day is because God put them in that place. Because God has a plan. God has a purpose. You see, Jesus is in control. You and I, we're not in control. Jesus is the one who's truly in control of what's going to happen. That's what we have to wrap our minds around. I saw a post today um, on social media and it inspired uh, what I'm about to say. You see, I have a prediction for this election. I have a prediction, this is what's gonna happen. So listen carefully. This is what's gonna come out of election day on Tuesday. Jesus will still love you. That is going to be one of the results of election day on Tuesday. Jesus will still love you. Jesus will still love those that you disagree with or that you hate. Jesus is going to still love those that hate you. Jesus is still going to love each and every one of the candidates, no matter what their platform. He's going to love both the winners and the losers on election day. You see, my prediction is that Jesus will still be the almighty, all-controlling king of this country and the whole universe. And there is nothing, there is no elected official, there is no government movement, there's no change, there's nothing that's gonna change that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that he is the almighty, all-reigning king and he has already won the victory. That's my prediction. He will still call his people to love God and love others. And he will still call each and every one of us as his followers to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. That's my prediction. You see, no matter what happens with this election, Jesus is in control. Jesus knows exactly what's going to happen, and he knows exactly why it's going to happen. 
because he alone is in control. So what's our role in this? What's our part to play? Well, first off, uh, on, a, on, a, on election day, uh, side note, a rabbit trail, go vote. Know the issues. Know where the candidates stand on those issues and go vote. Make your voice heard. Uh, I don't endorse candidates. Uh, I'm not going to tell you who I voted for. I'm just telling you to vote the way God tells you to vote. Know what the issues are and where the candidates stand and go make your vote. Go make your voice heard. But our role outside of an election season is this. According to this passage, what, what we've read today, our role is to deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow Jesus. That is our role. That is what we exist for. We take up our cross and in doing so, we willingly submit ourselves to suffering for Jesus. When we take up our cross, we willingly deny our own desires and plans for Jesus. When we take up our cross, we willingly follow Jesus no matter where he goes. We pursue him and we go where he leads not where we want to lead ourselves, but where he leads. We adhere to his ways. We trust in him. And when we do that, we bring others along. We lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. So here's my question today. Have you truly taken up your cross, denying yourself so that you can truly follow Jesus? Or are you still wrapped up, as Peter was in that moment, wrapped up in the things of the world and what you want? This election season, let me give you a word of caution in closing. This week, as you watch the, the results, as you watch the media and the news and the, the media commentators, remember, no matter what happens, Jesus is in control and Jesus calls you to love others no matter what. Will you be willing to do that? Will you be willing, no matter what happens, to trust Jesus, to carry your cross out of the confidence that you have in Christ? Will you be willing to do that? I think that's something that we need to ask ourselves the next coming days. Will you join me in prayer as we go to the Lord and ask him to help us have that confidence in him so that we can carry the cross the way he wants us to. Join me in prayer. Almighty God, thank you. God, we thank you first off that we live in a country where we have freedoms and we can vote. And Lord, I pray for this election season and for the elections that are going to take place in a couple of days. But ultimately, Lord, I know that you've already got it all planned and it's all worked out. You know exactly what's going to happen on Tuesday. You know exactly who's going to win and lose. And ultimately, Lord, all of that is for your purpose, for your plan, for your will. Lord, I pray that we would each one have the confidence 
the trust, the faith in Jesus so that we can deny ourselves and carry our cross. Help us to see the ways that we don't deny ourselves. Help us through your Holy Spirit to see the ways that we need to think like you, not the way that Peter did with Jesus, where he thought he had a better plan. Help us not to ever think that way. Help us to never think that we know better than you, but instead to just have faith, to have confidence that you're in control. Help us, Lord, to live that way. We thank you, Lord. And we pray all of this in the name of our almighty Lord and all loving Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.